0: The Lord be with you.
1: And also with you.
0: Let us pray. Thanks be unto you, Lord Jesus, for your bitter sufferings, your shameful death, and your joyous resurrection. Enlighten our eyes to see in you the way unto life. Uphold us by your truth, so that we may not fall into idolatry and false worship, and preserve us and the true faith unto eternal life. Psalm 16. I invite you to open up your scriptures and turn to Psalm 16 with us. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge.
1: I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you.
0: As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight.
1: The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips.
0: The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot.
1: The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance.
0: I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me.
1: I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken.
0: Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure.
1: For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or you let your Holy One see corruption.
0: You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I am joined here in the beautiful sanctuary of Trinity Lutheran Church in Clinton, Missouri, with Emily Stocking, a parishioner here at Trinity welcome Emily:
1: Thanks for having me I'm so glad to be sitting in here right now <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's been a while since it has we've been able people have been able to sit in here. It has been. How does it feel being in the sanctuary
1: Comforting and peaceful like the world outside of here doesn't exist when you're in here mm. It's just
0: you're making me feel a little selfish because I get to come in here every day.
1: <laughs> there is some uh, jealousy
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> it is my rock. It is a, a great place of refuge. So, Emily, um, you, know, I th- you know, I was taught in science class that you that God gave us five senses. Did you know this?
1: I think I learned that.
0: Yeah. So, has anyone ever told you that that you seem to have a sixth sense?
1: that I personally have a sixth sense? Yes. Yeah, I've heard that. Emily
0: has a way of, um, you are very in tune with people's feelings I and am. emotions. I am. Observant, um, very empathetic with others. You. So, okay, so it's seminary, and like the one counseling class that I had, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't at all make me qualified to be a counselor. Um, they taught us about the Jahari Window. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for those who don't know about the Jahari Window, picture a window with like one window pane. So you got four squares in the window, um, and in that first square, those are the things that you know about yourself and other people know about about you. So like well-known things. So you know I have red hair. I have red. I know I have red hair. That right. would be in that square. Mm-hmm. Um, the second square would be things that um, you don't know about yourself, and other people don't know about you either. So, like the completely unknown part of you. Mm-hmm. Third square would be things that you don't know about yourself, but others know about you. So these are like your, um, your, what do they call that when you your tics, like. Ch- You know, when you do something and someone's like, did you know that you always do this when you talk? Or like, I remember one time in high school, someone told me when I get really excited, my like nose flares. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I didn't know that, you know, you know. Yeah. So things that other people see in you that you didn't know you did. But then the fourth window is the window that you know about yourself, things that you know, but others don't. Mm hmm but it seems like that part of the window when you're around Emily, stocking almost disappears.
1: (laughs) It seems that way to me sometimes too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like um, I'm almost hesitant to walk in the same room with you some days because I'm like, oh, Emily's going to know what kind of a week I had. Like she knows I'm full of stress. She knows I, you know, like that it might, we might have to change the window. It might have to be a triangle when you're around (laughs) Emily, like, That whole section of things you know that others don't just kind of it goes away because um, you're very good at reading emotion Mm -hmm. and and you're also one of those people that have a lot of letters after your name so do. To tell me about what are all what are your qualifications emily
1: um so i have um an education specialist degree which means that i have a master's degree in counseling and then i got additional training in um, play therapy and supervision so supervising other counselors in what they're doing um, and then some specialized training in play therapy because working with kiddos is kind of my passion and then i'm a licensed professional counselor um, so it just means that i've had training and supervision in the state of Missouri so that I can counsel people. Um, some of the other letters have fallen off. because <laughs> <laughs> I don't need all of those letters uh, anymore, so there's not as many.
0: Why'd you get into counseling?
1: Um, actually, at six years old, I watched a, um, full an episode of Full House where um, there had been an earthquake and Stephanie had, was separated from her dad and was really struggling after the earthquake didn't want to leave him and so they took her to a child psychologist who did play therapy with her and had her draw a picture of what was bothering her and was able to piece all of the pieces together of what was going on and I knew in that moment that that's what I wanted to be able to do for people was to help them piece all of those pieces together perhaps because you know I've got this gift I call it from God where I where I can sense people's feelings pretty intuitively and so Um, For me, I knew young that all of those things were going to work together really well um, if I had specialized training in what I was sensing from people. So um, I was little when that episode came out, and it's been what I wanted to do since then.
0: Since you were six years old, you knew. Was there ever any moments of doubt through all your schooling a master's degree? and
1: um, No, I went through a period of time where I really loved my teacher, who was actually Hope Cider, who's a parishioner here. <laughs> I really loved her style of teaching, and so um, I wanted to be a teacher for a while in fourth and fifth grade, but uh, middle school, when all of my peers were going through rough times, um, they came to me, mm-hmm. and so I was reminded of, this is your calling, this is what you're supposed to be doing, and so... The teaching thing. I've taught counselors. I did do some teaching at graduate level, but um, I I think that I'm supposed to be in the counseling room um, with people and supporting them in that way.
0: What's the best thing about being a counselor? The thing that brings you the most joy?
1: Um, you know, this all this coronavirus has um, changed how I'm doing counseling,
0: so we're using teletherapy. You know, I was going to actually talk about this with you. <laughs> I figured. <laughs>
1: right. um, however, the, having to switch to this modality of counseling has been eye-opening because... Um, The kids are having to talk a lot more. So I do play therapy, which means that usually the kids are just playing and I'm interpreting their play and offering them reflections Mm
2: -hmm. based
1: on their play. But often they don't talk a lot because they're playing out whatever's bothering them or whatever's on their mind uh, with the toys. So this modality has caused them to have to talk a bit more than they're used to. Um, But I'm hearing a lot more from them and from parents about how um, critical. They're they're just with me for 40 minutes, but they are ve- they are vocalizing, and their parents are being able to say um, how much change they can see from the kids. You know, they're home all week now with their parents, but they get that 40 minutes with me, and so parents and kids are both now vocalizing how important that time is. And so, for me, that validation of just 40 minutes of one-on-one time with me gives them freedom to just be them there's no expectations of them Um, it's just their time it's their special time for just them and so I love that I love being able to give people 40 minutes of no expectations no requirements this is your time to be or do whatever you need and um, it's really rewarding to me to be able to do that
0: yeah that validation that they um, that what you are doing is helpful Mm -hmm and it's, you know, certainly for that 40 minutes of the week, is it once a week or maybe yeah. even more often, once. it's it's um, it's good for them, but also, I, I mean, you do what you do and you do it well, not just for those 40 minutes, but for years down the road, right. that that the care that counselors are providing for people has a way of bearing fruit years later, right? So yeah. it's not just about, those 40 minutes are good and it's a break for right. the week, but What you're trying to do is you're helping children learn to cope so that as they grow, these things still aren't problems for them.
1: Of course, that's always my um, focus. I'm saying a lot of validations like you can do hard things, you can handle hard things. So my example I always give parents is, Play-Doh containers—they're really hard to open. Play-Doh containers—I yeah, don't know why. I, I know. <laughs> what is that about? Maybe so they don't dry out.
0: <laughs> it hurts my it it does. my knuckles. It, it does. catches me every time.
1: I don't open them for the kiddos in session unless they absolutely can't do it on their own. So this is always the example I give right. people. Let me get my wrench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I always the kids always just stick it up in my face and expect me to open the Play-Doh for them, and I won't do it. Um, I, you can do hard things. You can try. Try different ways. Um, but I'm helping them through that process of they can handle hard things. So it's just a Play-Doh container. Um, however, my hope is, is that throughout their life, they're going to hear that validation of you can do hard things. You can try different ways. Um, you kept trying even though you weren't sure you could do it. Um, I want for them to hear those things throughout their life because life is going to throw us lots of hard things just like this coronavirus situation Um, and so I want for them to remember that they can do hard things and then when they do get it because usually they do or if I have to help just a little bit it's a big celebration you did that you figured it out you stuck with it and you got it open Um, because again I want them to hear that forever you can do hard things you can try and try again
0: Celebrating the little things is big. It is. Like when yeah. Creed was in the NICU, just him peeing <laughs> in the diaper was a huge celebration. Yeah. Right. Like I Absolutely. still remember being around his bed and and the first time that he peed, it was like,
1: Yay, you know. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> celebrates right. and it's like the most basic thing we do. But yeah. you've gotta those little moments translate into bigger things throughout.
0: Yeah. Our lives. Well, what I don't you know, what is it about as parents, when we see our children come across the play-doh container mm-hmm. or something that's difficult, you know, it's automatically it's like intuitive that we have to step in and help. Right. That we do it for them. Right.
1: So, you know, as parents, one of our primary roles is to take care of our kids and we don't want them to struggle, we don't want them to have a hard time. And so just yeah. like for you with Creed. If you could have helped him pee, yeah. you would have done anything. I would to have do figured it. a way out. Absolutely, right. there was nothing you could do. He had to figure out his body on his own. Yeah. Um, and so, as parents, we want—we don't want our kids to struggle. We want for them to um, have smooth sailing throughout life. However, that's not really reality. And so that's why I try to coach parents and even myself. I—I I struggle with this too. I—I mm-hmm. I don't want my kids to hurt or to have to try really hard and. Um, so, you'd have to. I have to talk myself down out of it. Let them try. Let them do hard things. Um, over the winter, it was coats. Parents wanted to put kids' coats on them and zip their coat up for them. And so, reminding parents, let them try on their own. Let them struggle. It's also a time thing. You know, yeah. We're I don't in have a hurry. Time.
0: I don't <laughs> yes. have time for you to mess with a zipper for two minutes, <laughs> especially
1: when you've got a train of kids. <laughs> you know, it's, exactly. Um, we. It's a time. The thing out of time too we just want to hurry and get done and but
0: get, those are moments of growth absolutely. the suffering the infirmities mm-hmm. the time uh, it takes to even open up a play-doh container yeah. something that i keep that i go back to my childhood here's a, here's one of those squares in the jahari window that you don't know about me but i know about me and i'm going to share it with you so then it will move into that now we both, both know about mm-hmm. about it window um, whenever i was a high schooler um, I ran track, and it was our I was my senior year, and it was our home meet. And the last race of the meet was the four by four, and I was the anchor. We had the best team there. Mm-hmm. So here it was, my final meet at home, anchoring the last race, and I'm gonna win. So, you know, in front of my parents, all my friends, my teachers, uh, my pastor was there watching. And my team was really good. So I, I get the la- I, I'm the anchor, so I get the baton in first place. I'm the last leg. And um, I still remember there was a storm rolling in, and I remember hearing the thunder and seeing a lightning strike, and the rain started to fall. And um, it was the last straightaway, and, and this, this other runner who was faster than me pulls up on my outside, and I'm tr- I'm trying everything I can to beat him. And the, you know the crowd's cheering, everyone's there. It's burned into my memory, probably because of the lightning strike, but also because of the shame, mm-hmm. because I lost. He beat me by a step, step and a half, and there was nothing I could do. And he was just flat out faster than me. So after the meet, I'm just, I'm a mess. And I remember going into the, there was a little shed there, at the track and everyone left everyone packed up their bags went home even my parents did and I went into that shed rain falling down hard lightning thunder and I sat in this dark corner and I just cried my eyes out for like 10 minutes because I was so upset and disappointed um and then after about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I don't know how long I was in that shed. I finally like came to my senses and I was like I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I can get up. Like I'm going to go back to training. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work harder. Yeah. And there's another track meet coming and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I go back to that is because if my parents were there mm-hmm. there would have been no me dealing with my issues in right. the shed. They mm-hmm. would have tried know, to
1: console you.
0: Quickly consoled me, um, you know, and there's a place for that as as parents, of course. Mm-hmm. But as a parent now with children, I find myself wanting those moments for them too.
1: Of course. And I think um as parents, we can we can learn those subtleties too if we watch um, our kids and pay attention to because our kids react so much to how we're responding to things so you know i've watched lots of situations just in life of where a kid will fall off of their bike and really if you pay attention to them they're okay but if the parent panics and reacts then the kid reacts too because their parent is reacting and so kids are very instinctual to their parents and how their parents are reacting to situations and so it's okay we don't have to react to everything that happens um and, but there's the converse too of it's okay to have feelings and it's okay to show your kids those feelings that's been the conversation lately of it's alright for you to have feelings and it's okay for your kid to see that you have feelings because that validates that they're scared or you're scared and it normalizes some of those feelings for people mm. um, but yeah there's, there is the component of don't react check them first and see how they're responding to it and then follow their feelings don't mix your feelings in with their feelings.
0: So the way that that looks like is, you know, someone comes to me, um, say my own child, and they say, I'm freaking out, I'm freaking out, I'm freaking mm-hmm. out, or I'm upset or I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, my response can be, I think that's okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I, um, I always tell parents, too, to make sure that your... Um, validating their feeling yeah. and their experience not your own so there are moments where my kid might be very very upset over something that's happened and i'm like that, i don't really understand why you're so upset over this right. i don't say that to them though because they are the ones that that's experienced them experiencing the feeling and this goes for spouses for parents for yeah. everybody Even across the board it's not just kids Um, people are allowed to have their own feelings and their feelings are their feelings and so what's important is that we validate that feeling that's what the kiddo or spouse or significant other needs is is to know that we've heard whatever feeling they're having even Mm -hmm. if it doesn't make a ton of sense to us or we don't agree with it um, they need to know that we hear their feeling. so um, if you're significant other is upset about something that happened to work and you are not really understanding why, yeah. they still need to hear you say, I know you're angry about this. I know you're disappointed or whatever feeling it is that they're having. That validation is what's important. Um,
3: mm-hmm. So,
0: I mean, th- these are helpful things in the midst of COVID-19.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, grandparents really missing their grandkids because that's a thing that I've seen a lot of yeah. lately too. Um, offer to do those video chats. It's not the same, of course, um, but as I'm in that sandwich generation there of I've got parents and grandparents and kiddos that are missing each other, mm-hmm. um, and so I feel pulled to take care of that, but I also feel pulled to make sure that everybody stays healthy. Right. And so um, it's, it's a hard place to be. It and, is. And can... Um, My concern is that how is that going to affect the mental health of the people that are in the sandwich there trying to maintain the boundaries? Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, we don't want to upset people. And so... uh,
0: That's right. We are... We're people pleasers. I know I am. It's hard for me to do something or to set a boundary knowing it's going to upset someone else. Mm -hmm. But it's for the sake of trying to keep someone else safe. Right. Right. And so... Um, I mean, we're all we're all in this crazy, changing landscape. The seas are really rocking. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, your concern for mental health of us in this sandwich generation, you you said. Mm-hmm. What are the what's the thing that's probably most helpful right now for people in terms of taking care of their mental health?
1: Um, self-care is the thing I keep going back to with um, the people I'm engaging with making sure that we are intentionally taking time to do something that just helps keep us calm so um, I was thinking on the way in here like people are going for walks the weather has been fantastic and so people are going out for walks so if you're taking that walk don't just go on the walk for the sake of taking a walk for health purposes be thinking in your mind I'm taking this as a time to clear my mind to enjoy the fresh air to notice the trees are blooming to notice what flowers are blooming like be intentional in your mind with how you're spending your time don't just do things for the sake of doing them but um, being intentional with how you're spending your time but find something that you enjoy doing and do it if it's going for a walk if it's crocheting um, if it's reading in your Bible, find something that is consistent and that you do every day or every other day, um, as a way of making sure you're taking care of yourself.
0: That's good. I ran, I went for a run this morning. So,
1: were you intentional during your run? Check.
0: I think so. I think you know it was kind of. Fun. So, my counselor one time told me to, and he had he had he had some intentional thing, and I'm trying to remember what he told me to do. Oh, he had this – it was a seven-minute mindful meditation thing he wanted me to listen to every morning. And it was one of these audio tracks that was like – oh, it was such a bore. It was like when you eat your food, think about the um, food on your fork think about the taste in your mind. It was like a very mindful, it's grounding, grounding mm-hmm. thing. And, I, and I'm and i a perfectionist. <laughs> and I if I don't see a point in something, it's not gonna work, Emily. Right. right. And I remember telling my counselor, I said, if I don't think this is gonna work, should I still do it? <laughs> he was so frustrated with me. <laughs> and he just looked at me and he goes, yes, still do it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay because he knows like at the end of the day that I'll you know I'll submit to please
2: him yeah right
0: I'll (laughs) yeah yeah I want to please him so I'll do it but so in that sense even like even for people like me that are like going on like you said don't go for a walk for the sake of going for a walk to clear your mind but because that that's me Mm -hmm. you know like oh someone told me to do this so I have to do it because they told me to do it and that it will help but I'm not sure it will help Mm um, even then it, it will help.
1: It will. Yeah. So even it, if you're thinking, and I tell clients all the, all the time, if you think this is ridiculous, still do it.
0: Exa- thank you, That's <laughs> what he told me. Right. He was like, I can tell you see it's ridiculous. Still do it. And I'll tell you like, yeah, the, whatever he did, cause this was, I mean, I was falling apart my last year at seminary. Um, totally convinced this whole pastor thing wasn't for me. I'm not cut out for this. The responsibility is way too heavy. I, I, I was broken. I was completely shattered. Sure. Burnt out. I was burnt out. I came back from Vicarage, um, you know, eighth year of school, and I'm like, yep, I'm done. And um, I went, my first week back from Vicarage, Alyssa will tell you, my wife, uh, I had a chiropractic visit, a counselor appointment, and I saw my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was a you mess. You wanted a fix. <laughs> I, need, I was broken. And so I don't know what he did, but seeing him for those two or three months, uh, he somehow, whether it was that boring audio track or whatever, all the things, mm-hmm. um, he didn't fix me in the sense that of how I wanted to be fixed whenever I, you know, when I went through that school year, I came to a place where I realized I'm broken and that's okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not I'm broken and I need to fix it.
1: Right. Yeah. So the word broken, and I just had this conversation with someone too, that the word broken insinuates that we need fixed. And yeah. so I try to stir away from that word just because I don't, we don't need fixed and we're not falling apart and crumbling there's just something that needs adjusted or looked at or considered in a different way and so um, what I think I'm hearing you say is he he was trying to get you to be very intentional with just a few minutes of your day um, because we get so worried about everything else that's going on Mm -hmm. social media has made all of this really big and so our minds just get blown up with all of this stuff Um, actually I was talking to somebody earlier and she had heard someone say the term you need to cool your mind down mm. and I really liked that that you need to cool down your mind because it you do you just get so wrapped up with all of these thoughts and there's so much going on that just taking five or ten minutes even if you think it's ridiculous you're focused on it you're trying your mind is somewhere else instead of worrying about all of this other stuff and so um, you're cooling your mind down and giving it a break
0: I like that cooling your mind down because um With social media, what happens to me is, you know, I'm worried about the people right in front of me. Mm -hmm. You know, I have enough things around me in my own household that overwhelms my mind. But with social media, now I'm worried about the person 2,000 miles away in New York City. I'm worried about, I mean, your home, the walls of your home have expanded to where there's thousands of things for your mind to be worried about now things that we would have never have even known about 10 years ago before social media blew up. And so what I liked about the intentional practice is just be worried about that piece of bread on your, you know, on your plate. Mm-hmm. Just be worried about the little ounce of milk you're about to drink. You know, it's like you're making the walls of the home very small and focused on just one thing at a time and cooling the mind down slowing down it's really hard for people like me it is
1: well no, it's it's hard for lots of different reasons the one that comes to mind right now is that it's easier to worry about everybody else instead of to focus on ourselves yep. um, which sometimes we need I mean I need to make sure that my children are fed I need to make sure that they're going to school and coming to church and all those things so but social media makes it so that we pay attention to everybody else and everything else that's yeah. going on. And we forget about ourselves and we forget about, um, making sure that we're doing okay too. And so then it, I think before people realize it's turned into this really big problem Yep. and it's so big that they're not sure how to get back and focused. And so cooling that mind down and focusing on the piece of bread on your fork or going for the walk and paying attention to the trees, um, brings your mind back to, what about me? Am Mm -hmm. I okay? Um, And you're not worried about all these other things. It's an uncomfortable feeling for most people.
0: Yeah, Um, this is why God gave us counselors.
1: (laughs) For that 40 minutes or 50 minutes, depending on if you're a kid or an adult, um, of just time to focus on you
0: mind coolers mind coolers that's what you are
1: and counselors will most counselors will if you try to derail and talk about somebody else i'm trained to come right back, back to, to you, you with it yeah <laughs> how does this impact you
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because mm-hmm. we could spend a lot of time talking about everybody
0: else but well that's the move that christ makes you know when the tower of salome fell and and killed you know these 18 people and there was, there was a panic and people come to Jesus and you know, all the questions. What does this mean? And what do you say about them? Were they sinners? And they're, they're worried about others. Mm-hmm. And Jesus' response to them is, repent, or you likewise too will perish. And he brings it right back to them, mm-hmm. right? The, that uh, it's so easy to get focused on others. And... Um, And the Lord has given us incredible gifts and incredible strength, incredible resolve to care, to love, to help, but we are not the Lord. So we cannot do that endlessly. Um, You can do it for a time. For me, I did it for about a year I made it through. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden when I got back and I got out of the cacophony of serving here and caring here and doing all these things. When I got back and I had that first moment of self-reflection, I'm trying to think of another word that was not broken since you don't <laughs> like broken. I shattered Emily. <laughs> I was a complete mess, you know like, uh, I realized yeah. that I had not taken the time mm-hmm. to care for my own soul. Right. Um, and it's a denial of who God is. God is God and I am not. I can't serve like him.
1: Can't go on and on and on. I
0: cannot go. He can. He does. And he will. Um, and we'll get to Psalm 16. I have no good apart from you. Um, he is the one who's always supplying our good. And so we receive that goodness. Um, and then we give it to others. But there, there are, there's, well... There should be moments where you're taking time to receive from the Creator what He has given to you that is good. And uh, that's this.
1: And so, as counselors, what your counselor was doing with the bread and what I'm saying with the trees is pulling you back to those things that God gave us the food and the grass and all of oh those i'm glad you're
0: going here <laughs> this is where i wanted to go with psalm 16 yes keep so going So
1: it's you know you're you're focusing on those things that god gave you those gifts from him um and and enjoying those and receiving that
0: yes Psalm. So, so psalm 16 verse from the very beginning verse two um i say to the lord you are my lord i have no good apart from you um, the first thing that my mind goes to when I meditate on that verse, no good apart from you. Um, I go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, or more Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where God's creating everything, and he creates it all good. Right. And um, I always... When I walk through this with Comformans, I always make sure to give them the Hebrew word for good. It's tov. To, for something to be good, the Lord says it is tov. It is good. So He creates, you know, the sun and the moon. It's good. He creates the sky, the heavens, and the waters, and the land, and it's tov. It's good. Then He fills it with birds. And trees and fish and it's good it's tov mm-hmm. and then he fills it with people uh, male and female he creates them in his image and he looks at all that he created and he says that it is tov ma'od very good and so when I think about I have no good apart from you and I go back to Genesis 1 and 2 um, god's goodness it is all around us it is the tree on the trail the bird in the air the fish in the waters the people around us our families Um, all these things are good not in and of themselves but they're good because the creator created them for our good and so all these things around us point us back to him so bringing our I mean, this is keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Also, just our eyes fixed on the creation around us. The same God who takes care of this is Jesus. Jesus does this. (laughs) Same God who takes care of the birds in the air, neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Same God who takes care of the lily in the field. He'll take care of you too. Amen you said when you read this it struck you it's what you needed to hear
1: Mm -hmm. you know I think that um, again all there's so much happening and so much changing and so much that we're having to adapt to Um, it becomes easy to feel frustrated and tired and you and I have had the conversation over and over about taking a Sabbath and resting and receiving God's gifts and so for me when I read this that reminder of I have no good apart from you if we're not taking those moments and um praying and and asking God um to you know bring us that peace and um to be with us then we're just going about life and acting and making decisions and getting tired um from all of the the information we're receiving and so It was just—I found a lot of rest when I read this about the reminder of I have no good without God.
0: Yeah, I like that you say rest because that's—I mean, that's verse 1. In you I take refuge. Mm -hmm. Rest. Um, It's the opposite of tired. Um, Because when you were using the word tired— previously it was in the sense of i'm tired because i'm running around all over the place doing all sorts of things right. that are dependent on me mm-hmm. to get it done mm-hmm. and that tires me out right it's it's like a sleepless tiredness of the bones like mm-hmm. um you can be physically tired but your mind's still racing i mean these are i mean this is the insomnia the you're laying in bed and you're just awake right. and you're exhausted can't sleep but you can't sleep the mind's not cooling down Mm -hmm. the lord is the one i take refuge in and in him there is true rest shabbat sabbath um it is not the tiredness that our sinful flesh knows all too well it is a it is a peace Mm -hmm. um it's a rest for the weary um Celebration,
1: yeah. That like everything is lifted off of you. Yeah. Not weighing you down.
0: Yeah. Off my shoulders. Yep. The Lord is my um, chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. I think that. I think that's a good reminder. Because when we're running around like crazy. I don't know. Does our mind play tricks on us? Because. Our mind is. Um, oh, I use broken for so many things, Emily. Why are you taking this word from me? I, I mean, you're choosing to take
1: it. You can still use it.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, every single part, in the fall, sin is, there's not one part of us that hasn't been affected from sin. Right. So my mind, my soul, my body, my uh, my kidneys, actually. That's what's interesting about verse seven is in the Hebrew, it's, my kidneys instruct me, <laughs>
2: um,
0: but in the English, my heart instructs me. So as I go about my work, my mind slowly convinces me that what I do is dependent on me. Right. And so the more things I do, the more I fall into this trap of thinking people need me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But this verse says, you hold my lot. Right. And if he holds my lot, if he holds my life, that means he also holds yours.
2: And
1: all of these things that I'm trying to do.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and that's when the relief or the peace comes. Mm-hmm. Is, oh, he's got it. Right.
1: He can handle it a whole lot better than I can.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yes and um and that that has a way of freeing you so now i am freed to serve others knowing that the lord has their lot the lord holds my lot he's watching over them he will provide and i'm here simply as a vessel a broken vessel (laughs) i use that adjective for everything (laughs) a broken vessel a cracked vessel and yet he still uses those. And this is where, I mean, the whole, all of the language of the scriptures about our weaknesses and our sufferings, God actually turns into his glory. And so, you know, it's tiring to put on the face that I'm perfect or that I got everything together. Um, the Lord doesn't need that from us. Mm-mm. He doesn't need us, period. He. Right. We'll take care of his creation, just as he didn't need us when he created this place.
1: Did it all on his own.
0: He did it all on his own. He created. <laughs> and
1: made it very good.
0: Yep. He did it. And, and it was given to us as a gift to receive, to celebrate and to enjoy. Um, and so it's like, I don't know about you, but I don't walk out. <laughs> I don't walk outside in the morning and I look at the sun and go, oh my gosh, all the things I've got to do to make sure that that sun rises tomorrow, <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: I mean, I watched the moon come up last night because it was really big and beautiful.
0: And it was.
1: I never thought.
0: But we never, it never crosses our mind that it's dependent on us to move or to live or to have its being.
1: Absolutely not.
0: And yet when I look at my child, oh my gosh.
1: I got to do all the things. Right. I got to do all the
0: things. And, uh, and I constantly go and look at Creed just to see if he's breathing. Right. As if I can like, somehow keep him from not breathing. Like if his life's dependent on me you know and it's like if i could have that same mindset with everything that god created because god created my children he created me he created my parents he created every single sheep in this church and he will take care of them
1: absolutely that's where i keep that's where i find peace through all of this is god's got it he knows who's coming and going and He will take care of us. However this turns out, um, he has it. And um, the peace that I feel is reminding myself, he'll take care of us. And this is, um, he wants us facing him, and that's all that he asks of us.
3: Yeah.
0: I have no good apart from him. Something that you didn't share that you also do, another (laughs) title behind your name, is you are the director of the maternity home.
1: Yes, the Law our, of Hope maternity home.
0: That our church helps partner with, the of Hope here in Clinton. Mm-hmm. So we have numerous mothers and little children in this home who, like the rest of us, have all sorts of things on their plate. And you're the one the Lord has put there to help them manage yeah. those things.
1: Yeah, he has very firmly called me to that. Um, so one of the, it is one of the biggest blessings in my life to be able to, um, support these women. And, um, that's one of the, the same message that I keep giving them through all of this because we, you know, they have newborns or they're pregnant. Um, and so while they're not in one of the categories that the CDC is saying is at risk we still consider them at risk because they're very new humans or growing humans Mm -hmm. and um, so we've made them stay at home a lot and they don't love that and Mm -hmm. so we've been talking or trying to keep their focus on God and um, you know making sure that they are having moments of gratitude every day where they are talking about what they're grateful for Mm. Um, and that they're relying on him to bring them peace and comfort through all of this instead of getting all spun up with all of the news.
3: Yeah.
0: It's good. Going about caring for people in the ways that God has equipped you and given you, but then also not turning around and beating yourself up on beating yourself up for all the things that you haven't done. Sure. Um, that's a that's a balance I haven't been able to strike yet.
1: <laughs> it's a tough, you know, I think you, you've talked about being perfectionist and I can be the same way. And so our minds are all of the time racing with things that we could have done or didn't do. Um, so that's those moments, taking those very specific moments. It's, it's a way easier said than done. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm quite guilty of not, taking self-care moments too but mm-hmm. making sure that um, those moments of gratitude for the things that we did get done or that we were able to check off of the list um, mm. but then also being in giving yourself grace and knowing that God gives us grace yes
0: <laughs> Taking time to thank the Lord for his gifts mm-hmm. is, um, is a good practice and I think you know self-care, is any way that we're connected back to the creator um because if our good if good if he is good and we have no good apart from him then every time that i come into contact with him i am being cared for with his goodness and saint augustine kind of went into this he talked. he actually translates verse two differently, he doesn't, he didn't translate it, I have no good apart from you. He, he says something to the effect of, there is no good that I can offer to you. Mm. And, I, and I think what he's getting at is, if God is the one who is good, and he has created all things that are good, he doesn't need anything from me. Right. There's no good that I need to offer to him. All goodness flows from him. It comes to me. And it's as simple as opening your eyes and looking around you Mm -hmm. and seeing, oh, he makes his sun rise on the just and the unjust. He sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The trees are there. The birds are there. My family is there. My own life is a gift Mm -hmm. given to me. And he can give and he can take away at any moment. But it's in his hands. And everything he does is intended for our good. One last thing I wanted to get to. This psalm is quoted in the scriptures in the very first sermon of the church. Um, Acts chapter 2, when St. Peter stands up, the day of Pentecost has come. And he gives his sermon there to the thousands who are gathered for this feast. And um, starting with verse 14. It says, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. And that's when you know it's going to be a good sermon. <laughs> when it begins with, look, we're not drunk. It's 9 a.m. <laughs> it's got my attention.
1: Paying attention now. Yeah,
0: We're not drunk. It's only 9 <laughs> And then he quotes the prophet Joel, uh, chapter 2. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So he quotes Joel, and then he says this, and he quotes Psalm 16. It says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness and your presence. And then he says this about the psalm. He says, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence So when you talk about the good of God, Peter quotes this psalm and he applies it directly to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You killed him. God raised him from the dead. And of that, we are all witnesses. And so when I look at the things in my life that could always go awry, worst case scenarios, they always end in death. God's given an answer to that. a Resurrection. The ultimate good is that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: He lives. And... All those who believe in him, though they die, yet shall he live. This is the greatest good that he has given to us. Far greater than the trees and the birds and the bread on my fork, although I don't usually eat bread on my fork, but it's what came to my mind. Far greater than all of that. Far greater than my own children, my own spouse. Far greater than my own life is Eternal life, heaven. Heaven. So you know this was Luther's quote, um, you know, because people wanted to chop his head off for what he was saying, and he said, "Go ahead and take my head off. I know a God who will put it back on." (laughs) And I love that, yeah, because the ultimate fear, or as the scriptures say, the ultimate enemy, has been defeated. So that even my worst fear, God's already conquered it. So, you know, Luther puts this in a mighty mighty fortress. Take my good's child or spouse, my good's home child or spouse, though all these be gone, the kingdom remains ours. God will raise us back to life. So no matter what happens, I have no good apart from you. Um, Augustine says that in the psalm when David's praying about how my heart instructs me in the night I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night also my heart instructs me he Augustine applied this to death that that's what night resembles in the night means in death even Mm -hmm. Um, even in death it's the same right now, and it's the same in death. I have no good apart from you. Jesus has been raised from the dead. We're getting ready to celebrate that this Sunday. Mm-hmm. This is the heart and the message of the Christian faith, that our Lord Jesus died, and he is risen from the dead. And maybe it's, it's it's not Easter yet but I think I can I'm going to say it anyway because I feel like I need to say it hallelujah <laughs> Christ it too. is risen hallelujah <laughs> yeah he is risen indeed I guess that would be my message this week is that in the night in this crazy chaotic time where the fear of death is palpable Jesus Christ is risen And that is our ultimate good. He is your life and your lot is in his hands. He's got it. The one who's conquered death has got it. Find refuge
1: in Christ.
0: That's a great ending. (laughs) Find refuge in the Lord who is risen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah.
3: What is this bread? Christ's body risen from the dead. This bread we break, this life we take, was crushed to pay for our release. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is peace. What is this wine? The blood of Jesus shed for mine. The cup of grace brings his embrace Of love and life until I sing, O oh, taste and see, the Lord is King. So who am I that I should live and he should die? Under the rod, my God, my God, Why have you not forsaken me? Oh taste and see, the Lord is free. Yet is God here, Oh yes, by word and promise clear, In mouth and soul he makes us whole. Christ truly present in this meal. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is real. Is this for me? I am forgiven and set free. I do believe that I receive his very body and his blood. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Our Father, who art in heaven,
0: hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.